0: It's the Key to the City podcast and uh, joining me today is, is CBS Boston's Mike Curley, who I haven't talked to on a podcast in a long, long time. And usually I save him for when a Boston sports team is playing a major event, he usually comes on the day of or the day before and it ends up costing them the game, the series, the championship. Um, it usually works out in our favor and I was going to call him over the weekend. Uh, with the Patriots playing the Jets, but I figured, you know, I might need to save that if the Red Sox get past the Tigers. I might need to save that for a World Series podcast. So joining me today is Mike Hurley. Mike, how's it going?
1: Going pretty well. I feel like we don't need to talk before the event so much as you like to call me after Boston teams lose, so
0: well, I clarify on that one. I feel like we had the the Jets-Patriots playoff game in 2010 where... It was pretty much a joke and a given that the, according to you, that the Patriots going to win. We had the post everyone. We had the post winter meetings, uh, 2010, when they got Gonzalez and Crawford, <laughs> and you predicted the 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 Red Sox Phillies World Series, and that led oh, yeah. to the most epic collapse in regular season history. Uh, we talked throughout 2012 because Bobby Valentine was the manager, and it was the worst Red Sox team in you know our lifetimes and a lot of people's lifetimes for that matter. And we didn't talk once this year on the podcast, and here the Red Sox are in the World Series, and I sort of want to take the blame for that, because had we talked, I know they would not be there.
1: You're a powerful person, apparently.
0: <laughs> well, I'm... You're like a
1: Red Sox fan before 04 the way that you believe in the, uh, the, circa, the what do you call it, the superstitions.
0: Well, on the eve of Game 1, how confident are you feeling right now after what happened in the ALCS and the turnaround uh, from the David Ortiz Grand Slam on?
1: It's 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 funny because I had pretty much I had low confidence in them heading into the Rays series. I thought the Rays were going to beat them with pitching. They didn't. They didn't really compete in that series. And then I thought the Tigers were going to do the same. And the Tigers competed and probably could have won the series, but they didn't. So going into both of those series, I didn't think the I picked against the Red Sox both of the series. And so this one, I I have good feelings about the Red Sox. So they're probably going to lose just based on my my track record and history. But I think, you know, the, the, the Cardinals' biggest strength is their top two starters, one of which being a guy who I don't think anyone knew two months ago. And, but they're, they're not as good as, as Verlander and Scherzer. And even then, Verlander and Scherzer went, the Tigers went 0-3 in those games last series. So I think there's reason to feel confident about the Red Sox. So I like their chances going in. So if you've got money to put in, you want to go Cardinals.
0: And like you said, you, you had the Rays in the first round. You had the Tigers there. On the NL side of it, now the Cardinals are there. Who did you like? Who did you, want, who did you want the Red Sox to face? Who didn't you want them to face out of what happened in the National League?
1: Well, I think everyone in Boston that has some sort of uh, passion for anything in life wanted to see the Dodgers just because it's hard to really... I don't know how, how much it's been covered there, how much Carl Crawford has cried and cried and cried to the media about his time in Boston. I mean, the man got paid, what, $140 million to come and play baseball, and all he's done since leaving is cry about how bad he had it. And it's, it's unbelievable. He's just not a good person. Uh, he, it's pretty clear that everyone, and just aside from that, everyone was sick of Beckett. And Gonzalez, I feel, has gotten lumped in as sort of this, this lousy person, even though I think all he is is himself. But, you know, he's part of that group that got traded, so I think everyone here wanted to see the Dodgers come because it just would have. But the drama would have. Been. It would have been like pro wrestling. It would have been Vince McMahon engineered. It would have been awesome. Um, and I don't think anyone was really. I don't think the Cardinals really got anyone shoes flowing swelling. So I think everyone here's a little disappointed that the Dodgers didn't come. I, I'd rather see the Dodgers just because of the the spectacle that would be. You know, last year's big blockbuster trade matching up. But selfishly, you know, I wrote at the at the time of the trade that the Dodgers lost big time. So. It would be kind of egg on my face if they made the World Series the following year. So uh, I'm kind of happy that they did it. But uh, aside from that, it would have been good to see that. And then I think it's weird. I feel like everyone wanted the Pirates to make the World Series. I mean, the Pirates-Red Sox World Series were pretty awesome. Uh, they were the first World Series in, what, 1903? It would be kind of cool to see that again, which is weird because I don't think the country ever gets behind Steelers fans or Penguins fans. But when it's the Pirates, it's like, oh, the lovable, the buckos. But uh that didn't that didn't last too long.
0: And considering Steelers fans are Pirates fans, I mean Penguins fans yeah. are Pirates fans and you and Penguins fans having I don't know if you're still banned from the city of Pittsburgh, but you wouldn't have been able to make those get those road games in the series.
1: I snuck in and out of Pittsburgh in February unnoticed. Uh I was actually at a Pittsburgh bar during a Penguins game and no one really uh no one no one recognized me, which which was uh fortunate because it wouldn't have turned <laughs> out too well but Uh, it is, it's weird, isn't it, that, that, I mean, I, I think I speak for a lot of people when people hate Steelers fans, at least, and, but when they're at the ballpark, it's like, oh, good for Pirates fans. It's a weird phenomenon that I, I watched this year.
0: Well, it was the Dodgers' willingness to take off Josh Beckett and Adrian Gonzalez and Kyle Crawford, and even threw in Nick Punto in that deal, to, to bail the Red Sox out of what would have been, at least, I would say, four or five more years of just miserable baseball in Boston they wouldn't have been able to go out and get the guys that they did and spend the money they did in the offseason and change the team change the culture of the team change the clubhouse and here they are in the World Series so I think it starts with the Dodgers who who gave the Red Sox this chance to come back this season a year after losing 90 plus games to Bobby Valentine and be in the World Series um who do you think out of all the guys that have been brought in and it's sort of like a complete 180 from the team we saw last year who's made the biggest impact the biggest change to the Red Sox
1: well, I mean, it's fun to talk about all their their fun hijinks with their beards and being weirdos and looking like uh, a hunting gang. But I, I mean, the 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 biggest difference this year is Koji at the end of the bullpen being the most unbelievable closer. When you look at his career numbers to what he's done this year, it's I don't know how anyone could have seen that coming. Ben Sherrington certainly didn't see that coming because he was the what, the fourth choice to be the closer this year. So it was, uh, that solidified them where without him, they might have won, I don't know, 92, 91 games, but with him, they were able to win 97, which uh, is actually, baseball-wise, probably the most important addition, but beyond that, the, the, I mean, Mike Napoli was the everyday player that contributed the most, but even still, I think he had something like 17 homers. It's not like he was an MVP candidate, or even a really top-level first baseman, but he—he uh, he was a steady. They needed that after last year when Gonzalez left. They had, uh I think. I think that was a pretty important one. Then the other pieces just sort of fit in. I mean, I kind of laughed. I probably laughed with you. You probably laughed a lot harder when they signed Johnny Gomes to a multi-year <laughs> contract. When they signed Shane Victorino after he hit what two thirty-five in LA last year, uh, it kind of ridiculous. Though. I get. It's I get,
0: just.
1: It's a, it didn't make any sense, and he didn't have a great year. But you know, he battled about forty injuries, and he still played really. His 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 defense in right field, when you have Ellsbury in center, and and Victorino out in right, take, taking up that much room. It was, I think, that was another big factor too, probably next to Coach, He was just Victorino's defense. So I think those two are the biggest. But I mean, they're kind of ridiculous when you think about it that that's how it worked, that that's how he turned a sixty nine win team into a ninety seven win team. It's just bananas.
0: <laughs> well, with Napoli, and if he did have 17 0 runs, I didn't check it, but I think seven of those, at least seven of those, came against the Yankees, so I remember all those clearly. But here's a guy That's now. Sunday who...
1: won at 12:30 in the morning, if I remember.
0: <laughs> well, here's a guy now who's not even going to play when they go to St. Louis.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's. The thing is, they don't win the last series without Mike Napoli. He had the home run Verlander in the one run game, they won 1 0, and then the next night. He hits the homer in the second inning to, to give the Red Sox their first run. Gomes follows that up with a grounder to Cabrera that Cabrera can't handle because he's not an athlete, and it turns into a three-run inning. They win four to the three. Without those two home runs, I don't think they win the series. Uh, just So it's, 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 it's such a big loss where you have basically two home run threats in the Red Sox lineup, and one goes away for three games in the middle of the series. So uh, I don't. Think you fit Ortiz against a righty starter, especially if it's Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly. It's it's, it's going to be you have to bat Ortiz in those games, and you just have Napoli for uh, situational pinch hits. But the thing is, they if he comes in the game, Ortiz has to come out because neither Napoli or Ortiz can play any other position. Napoli's done catching, so it's uh, it's definitely lousy for the Red Sox, and that's why I hate the National League and the stupid pitchers batting because it's ridiculous.
0: Well going back to 04 I would watched 0 seconds of that World Series as you can imagine in 07 I watched the same amount of time of that World Series. What I I, I mean I could go back and check but I'll just ask you what did they do back then with the with the Ortiz situation I'm assuming because of what he was in 04 and what he was in 07 he played all the all the games and every inning of every game.
1: Yeah, he did. Um I want to say he played first base. He ended up playing first base in game 1 in 04. Cuz remember all the errors that game had. I feel like no, wait, that was Millar. Millar had an error. I think they just sat Millar. I don't think Millar did much in that postseason besides take a walk from...
0: Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no, no they no, just the saved sport. the season, but no, no, did nothing else.
1: Honestly, I, I, I would say he was hitting, I want to say he was hitting like 200 or some 200 at that time, which made the walk all the more inexplicable for Rivera. If you want to talk about that more, we can. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think we should they, do that. I, yeah, we'll do a whole podcast on that. Uh I think the first pitch was cutter. But in 0-4, it was Millar that just sat because he wasn't. I don't think he was doing much at the time. And then in '07, Willis probably took the seat because I mean he was probably grumpy about it, but he did because Mike Lowell wasn't going to sit, and Mike Lowell ended up being the World Series MVP, so that obviously was the right decision. So it's just something that the Red Sox have had to deal with. But there's no way or comes out on it because who who else do you worry about in the Red Sox lineup if you were if you were pitching? You you worry about number four, David Ortiz. That's 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 in your mind from. The first inning to the end. And you saw why last Sunday. The guy hit 091 uh, in the ALCS. But does anyone remember that? Or do they remember the grand slam that took them off the mat when they were about to be down 02 in the series? So uh, you got to stick with Ortiz, especially against what should be some uh, some of the weakest pitchers in the series.
0: Well, to me, it's it's not as devastating the Red Sox being in the World Series now as it was certainly in 04 or in 07. Um, now that they've gotten the two World Championships under their belt. It's it just doesn't have the same feel it it, does, it used to have to it. Obviously for you it's different because they hadn't been in the playoffs in a few years. What happened last year? What happened the year before? The injuries in two thousand and ten? The sweep in two thousand nine? Where does this team rank among the, the other two teams that have gone to the World Series uh, in oh four and oh seven? And and you know how do they stack up to you personally in your you know emotions or the way you care about them?
1: Maybe I've just changed too much in the past ten years, but I mean this team has its its, its likability factor for sure, but. Uh, I'm not really, it just seems to me the, the beard stuff and the and just sort of the goofing around is sort of gimmicky to me because that's cause not really why they're winning why they're winning is because they're actually good at the sport but uh, it's it's just I think good to see because last year was a good entertainment value but it was just sort of embarrassing to, to deal with that being the, the local baseball team was probably Valentine's disaster but uh, so I think it's just more relieving. But no, I don't think any team will ever touch '04. 4 7 really wasn't that special. It was sort of just the best team in baseball from start to finish doing what they were supposed to do. So that probably was something that uh, maybe you can more relate to as a Yankee fan, just sort of they were the best and they should have won and they did. So it wasn't really uh, as memorable as probably what 96 might be to you or something like that.
0: Well, we talked about this uh, recently in the last few days about the impossible dream. I think you guys call it in Boston and the 67 team that, you know, went to the World Series and ended up losing the World Series. And they're sort of endeared as one of the most likable, if not the most likable team in Red Sox history. And this team sort of has that feel to it coming off what they did last year. If they were to lose to the Cardinals here, how would they be viewed in perspective once the World Series is over? Would they be just like that team and the team that, you know, helped turn the Red Sox back around when it seemed like they were going to go into uh, five, ten years of losing? I don't know. It's,
1: it's hard to say because, I mean, you just look at the Bruins and how far they made it and how they captured the whole city and then they ended up losing. And it was just sort of like they weren't considered losers here, I don't think, by a lot of people after you saw how hard they fought and and what they got, through, what they went through to get to where they Ended up getting so I think I think given that this city's experienced so many championships uh, I think we've all become better at accepting when they don't win them and when they even come close. Maybe Patriots aside, maybe the Patriots are held to a different standard, but I think uh, when the Celtics fought in Quad in 2010 and lost in Game Seven in L.A. and then took the Heat, you know, to, the, to Game Seven a couple of years ago in the last the last three uh, series that there was, I think. There was more of an appreciation of it here, so I think if these guys don't do it, I think people will be more understanding, and I think they'll appreciate it. Uh, the only thing is I don't, I don't know if this can happen next year or the year after that. It's sort of you, the guys we talked about earlier, where you're dependent on uh, the Victorinos and the Johnny Gomes and the Mike Napoli's and the uh, Saldo Lamachias and Cody Weijar to have ridiculous numbers. It's sort of all coming together this year, so the way things, you see things work in sports is it's so fleeting that you have that little window so, I don't know that next year, this past year will matter that much. But I think they're in position to not be some the pressure that the 0-4 team had, for example, is, is nowhere. In, that was worlds apart from what this team is. It's it's not it's not that pressure cooker where they have to win.
0: So now that we've we've gotten your take, you sort of you sort of feel the way that I do. That they they've sort of caught lightning in the bottle here, at least in the sense of this season, with so many guys overachieving, doing their part. Um, that comes back to the rotation and guys sort of doing their part that they're paid to do. John Lester bouncing back after a horrible blast two years, uh, John Lackey coming back off the surgery and pitching to the, his AJ Burnett-like contract that he received. And then you've got Clay Buchholz, who's been touted as, you know, their, their guy of the future for so long, going back to 2007 and finally putting together, but not in the postseason. Uh, you talked about Wayne Ray and Waka and how strong they can be. What do you think of the Red Sox rotation?
1: I think they're good enough uh, there's any one guy that you'd say uh, just you'd be scared necessarily heading into the game and I think Buckholz's numbers might say that but uh, from the regular season but then you saw Saturday night that uh, the, the, the the moment can can overwhelm him times in the playoffs in the first inning he threw over the first base to Tory Hunter five times and Torrey Hunter is like 50 years old and stole he attempted five steals this year but he had as many throws to first as the guy had base attempts all season long so he he kind of froze up a little he had to leave in the 6th inning as soon as he got a lead he only pitched I think 85 pitches so as, as good as Buckle's regular season numbers were I forget them now but when he was injured he was 9-0 and with a 1-3 or something like that um, it's 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 the stuff factor, but I don't I don't think you're necessarily scared to face him because you know he's not going to pitch 7 or 8 innings uh, and you know that that you're going to get to the bullpen at some point uh, as far as Lester goes, I think Lester's just solid. Lester, he's, he's really taken on the responsibility of a number one, even if he doesn't always pitch like it. Uh, in the in the celebration Saturday night, he was just sort of holding his kid, and he just had his game face on already, because he knew game one was coming up. So I think I think Lester's a guy you can ride. I think he matches up fine with Wainwright. I think uh, <laughs> Lackey pitching in game two is just still hilarious. I mean, the fact that He used to pitch in that park, and he watched the game with the Angels in L.A., and he was complaining about the wall and how Pedroia shouldn't have been celebrating his double because it would have been out anywhere. And now he's got this great ERA at home, and he's pitching Game 2 of the World Series. It's just insane. But uh, he should be all right. Uh, I'm interested to see the Waka kid because, uh, I mean, no one really knows much about him. And here people are going to think that his name is actually Walker and that people from (laughs) Boston are just pronouncing it Waka. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, I, it, I think I think you have just as many unknowns with a kid like that, and then the, the back end of the Cardinals rotation. So, I think they will match up fine. I don't I don't think it'll be anything like the last series where you. I think we're done with the one nothing games.
0: Well, instead of asking a prediction, because I I think I have a general sense of what it would be. Let's. Let's go to the reason, the reason why I was going to call it in the first place, which is, was the Patriots going to MetLife to face the Jets in a game that ended on the most controversial of calls and a call that I guess by the rule book should have been called. It was the right call, but you barely ever see it called, if ever. Uh, explain to me your thoughts on the way that game ended and if the call was correct and should have been made.
1: Uh it seems to me, i mean it's it's clearly the rule I mean it's been made clear I and mean, I know people wanted to launch the conspiracy that the n f l changed it on the website, but that was just some blogger who wrote it up wrong, but i think uh it's this it's the selective enforcement that 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 was definitely wrong, no matter how we want to come down on it to to not call it in any game in the n f l or at any point in that game, but to call it. In overtime on a 56 yarder that had 0% 0 chance of actually going through to to call it on that one was just bogus. But, I mean, you can't really complain because it was a penalty and you did it. Uh, so, and and as we're learning more, it sounded like, uh, today it was coming out that the the league actually told teams about it ahead of time, that they would be on the lookout for it, and and maybe Belichick was getting away with it and he tried to, you know, sort of outsmart everyone and it backfired, so. If that's the case, then they obviously deserve to get called for it, but uh, to me, to just to call it... So the word was that the, the refs were given, you know, extra focus. They were supposed to focus on that that week, yet it wasn't called anywhere else in the league in any game at any point except that one moment in overtime. Was kind of It's hard for me to believe that that was the only push that went on in the whole league, so that part of it is bogus, but, I mean... It's not why the Patriots lost the game because they, they probably would have turned the ball over anyway in the next possession because they were playing so poorly. So I think anyone that's really hung up on it should probably just focus on the fact that the Patriots aren't really that good.
0: <laughs> well, I, I was going to talk about Brady, but let's skip to that point. If they've lost now two other last three games. They needed that miracle comeback or be given the chances by the Saints to have the miracle comeback, or they'd be losing, or they'd be looking at three a game losing streak and something that the Brady Belichick era has never seen before. So at five and two now, and just one game up on the jets, how nervous are you about them? Uh, maybe not playoff chances, but about the other teams in the division, like the dolphins and jets, possibly catching them.
1: I, I think it would be a huge upset if they don't make the playoffs. I don't think that's a question, but as far as being that 11 or 12 win team, I just, I don't think they're, they're good enough. I don't, they already lost to the Jets. They still have, to they play the Dolphins this week. They have to split with the Dolphins and basically beat the Bills again to guarantee that they, they win the division because they didn't look like a division winner last week. They didn't look like a division winner even for most of the Saints game. And they certainly didn't look like a division winner in Cincinnati when they played one of the worst games I've ever seen them play. So, um, as far as like, I don't think it's nerves because it's sort of, I don't expect them to be that good. I was stunned that they even competed with the Saints. Uh, I was talking to you that day, and I told you I think Saints forty-two fourteen or something like that. I thought it was going to be just a roll, and maybe the Saints let their bye week creep into their mindset a little bit because they they didn't play well and they let the Patriots come back. and Obviously, Tom Brady is still Tom Brady, and when you give him three chances to to win with less than three minutes left, he'll probably do it on one of them. But uh, the I think they'll. I think they'll win the division. But after that loss, if if they had won that game, they could take walk all the way to the AFC's championship. But now it's sort of. It's not going to be easy, and I don't know if they're good enough to definitely just waltz to it like they usually do.
0: Well, with Tom Brady still being Tom Brady, you look at the numbers over the last few weeks, he's not passing for the same yards he used to, he's not throwing touchdowns all the time in games anymore, and a lot of it has to do, obviously, with the receivers he's been given by Belichick by the front office, and then you look across at Peyton Manning and the guys he's got and the guys Brady's got wouldn't even make the Broncos, you know, let alone be a factor over there. How unfair is it that Tom Brady at this stage of his career is being given the guys like Dobson and and like Mulligan and Boyce and these guys who are just no-namers, and that's how he's being asked to win games, and granted he's still done it already this season at five and two, but it just seems you know a little ridiculous that this is the way the Patriots decide to build their team.
1: I think it's disgusting. I mean, it's it's there's really no other way to put it. Where you give him a pass for losing Hernandez because I don't think they had you know they they knew the kid maybe did like some, some little pot, but I don't think they <laughs> thought he was you know pulling out a gun and shooting people allegedly. Um, so. You know, they lose one player there, but that doesn't excuse the receiving core you have now, and and it's not even an indictment of the the young kids they have because Aaron Dobson actually looks pretty good. You know, he might be in, he might be a receiver for ten years in the league. I don't know, but he's not there. He's played six games now, seven games. He's not good enough to win a Super Bowl right now with Tom Brady, and that's not his fault. It's the team builder's fault. And it's, I, I was talking earlier. I, I hope that Belichick and whoever else makes decisions around there just. I hope they watch the Broncos. I hope they sit and watch how good that receiving core is, and see what Peyton Manning can do at you know a year older than Brady, can still do it, and Brady can still do it. It's just he he's he's working with me, you, and your cousin Billy out there on Sundays, and it's it's just hard to put it all together. So so that's the biggest part, and then the other part is until Gronkowski came back last week, he had only thrown he only thrown five percent of his completions to tight ends which the past three years, it was something like 40%. So for Brady, you know, he doesn't look that great, but he's basically playing a different game than the one he played for the past three years, where he had a tight end offense, that he basically had to become a guy who throws outside, and that, that wasn't his game really, ever. Welker was his guy. Moss would go deep. Uh, and back in the day when they won, you know, Branch would be over the middle on the, on the end cuts, on the crossing routes. Torrey Brown did it earlier than that. So he never really was this sort of like outside the numbers, long deep ball guy. So he basically was playing a different game now when he's 36 years old than he had for the past 12 years. So I think that's, that's part of what factors into him not looking so good aside from just the guys not being as good as, as an NFL Super Bowl caliber team would have.
0: All right, Hurley. Well, it's always good to have you on and hear from you. And uh, if things go the way I want them to, maybe we'll hear from you next week. If they go the, things, the way that you want them to, uh, don't expect a call from me. And, uh, and I'll see you up in Boston in a few months. Thanks for coming on.
1: We'll talk in May when the Bruins and Rangers uh, play in the playoffs.